0: You're listening to Cannabis Health Radio. Here are your hosts, Ian Jessup and Corey Yelland. Welcome to another episode of Cannabis Health Radio. I'm Ian Jessup. And I'm Corey Yelland. As many listeners are aware, we are on a fundraising campaign here at Cannabis Health Radio. The reason being is that we want to continue doing this, but Corey and I don't get paid for it. We have bills to pay, and it's actually costing us money to do this. For those people who have helped us out, we say thank you. We greatly appreciate it. But, Corey, when you and I decided to start this, one of the reasons we did is because you have an enormous number of people that you've helped out. How many people would you say you've helped?
1: (laughs) Oh, boy. I have no idea. Thousands, thousands of people, I think, that I've helped.
0: Thousands. Yeah. And you've saved?
1: At least a thousand people that I'm aware of. Often I will hear of people after the fact, people that I think maybe
0: didn't make it, and then I'll hear, oh, yeah, no, he's got rid of that brain tumor and he's back at work, you know. So so one of the reasons we started this, as I mentioned earlier, is that we want to expand the work that Corey has done over the past five years, and we want to reach more people all around the world to help them, help them understand the medical benefits of cannabis and help them with their health issues. But we need your help in order to do that. If you'd like to help us out, go to our donate page at CannabisHealthRadio.com and make a pledge, either a one-time pledge or you can donate monthly, and that would greatly help us out. We very much appreciate it. And for those who have helped us out, we once again say thank you. A few years ago, our guest was diagnosed with thyroid cancer, papillary carcinoma of the thyroid. It's the most common type of thyroid cancer, representing about 75% of thyroid cancer cases, and it's most common among women and usually manifests in the 20 to 55-year age group. Joining us to tell her story is Valerie of British Columbia, Canada. Uh, she doesn't want her what well, doesn't want us to use her real name so we will call her Valerie Valerie what symptoms were you experiencing that caused you concern and prompted you to go to the doctor
2: well I had had a few years of um, some deep-seated family trauma and there was a lot of stress there was death and dying and cancer with other family members um, I was getting severe headaches which was not typical for me um, Really emotional, really off my rocker, I had just had uh, um, a baby a few years before, and my mom had passed away, so I was emotionally completely distraught one one night when I was going down to load my wood stove, I kind of bent over to pick up a piece of wood and I felt this this weird sensation pain in my um, the right side of my neck, and so I put my hand up to my neck and I felt a lump and, um, you know, worst case scenario, right away. And I next day make an appointment with a doctor. I go into the local clinic and um, he kind of feels around and sends me onwards to um, Vancouver Island where I went and had um, an ultrasound down and a fine needle aspiration. And what they had found was I had just had nodules, um, thyroid nodules, and explained to me, uh, they don't know why they happen. Something happens between the pituitary and the thyroid gland. There's a lack of communication. Uh, Pituitary is saying, you need more of, you know, this hormone. The thyroid says, I I can't create it. Oh, let's grow bigger. And voila, you end up with nodules is my basic understanding. So they Started off with nodules, three on the right side, one on the left side. Um, and that's kind of how it was introduced to the thyroid at all, quite honestly.
0: And at that time. Spring, sorry, go ahead.
2: I was going to say that was in the spring of 2010. So what they decided to do was every six months, um, we were going to follow up with an ultrasound just to, you know, see there if there was a growth rate, anything to be concerned about. Um, and of course, they weren't, you know, ever talking cancer or anything like that. And I think that, you know, they they just have their own protocols and ways of doing things. So for two years. Uh, I would go for follow up ultrasounds and they would, the nodules would grow by a few millimeters, but they never seemed concerned. So, um, in the spring of 2012, so two years later, had gone every six months, they said, you know what, let's wait a year. And, um, there's nothing really developing here, so we'll bump it to a year. So we did that. They extended for a year follow-up and so I went back in the spring of 2013 and what the ultrasound found was one of those nodules had uh, formed some calcification on the inside and that's when they did the fine needle aspiration again and had found the papillary carcinoma in the thyroid on that one particular nodule and I got my results on May 1st 2013 so it was happy May Day. (laughs) I wasn't overly impressed I'll tell you.
0: I was so, actually freaked right out. Yeah, what was it like for you uh, when the doc- doctor told you that?
2: Um, well, my mom had died of pancreatic cancer just a few years before, and her struggle was extremely painful and, you know, worst-case scenario. It was very short, three months, um, but it completely ravaged her, broke every bone in her body, just, you know, moving her about and stuff. So in my mind, um, I I really went over the top with worry and anxiety and fear, and um, you know, I, it's, my my child was only three years old. I'm a new mom. I, you know, I don't have a mom, so I think my hormones were still out of whack, and uh, I was really freaked out. I was crying and slipping out, and you know, not really knowing what to do or where to turn to. I don't have any family um, really in Canada. Our family is all, you know, descendants of Europeans. So I just um, was very alone. I felt alone and scared. And and um, my GP, who has been here a long time, he's very kind and very caring. But he is old school medicine, and um, you know, he very very caringly said, you know, this is the process. There's no radiation or chemo. We just, you know, forward you on to a surgeon, um, and you have your thyroid removed, and you go on, you know, a synthetic drug, whether it be Synthroid or uh, Levo or something like that. And, and um, you know, as I was sitting there in his office. I could see he genuinely, like, this was, he was hurting for me because he went through my mom's death with me. He, my dad actually ended up prostate cancer after my mom died, so he went through that process with me, and my dad survived. So he's really feeling for me, and I can see that. But he is old school medical, and he, um so this is what we need to do. And I just kind of looked at him, and I was in sort of a place of, I wouldn't say denial, because I was very aware what was happening, what was real, but I just wasn't willing to buy his word as, you know, the absolute truth that this was the only way to cure or to heal. So I just kind of looked at him and said, I need time to think about this. And um, he wasn't happy, but he understood, he nodded, and off I went. And that's kind of where my research sort of initially began not even really realizing what a thyroid was <laughs> up until that point. So I had a, a big learning curve ahead of me for sure.
0: Yeah, I think you, uh, you certainly did the right thing to think about it because Corey was telling the story of uh, a person that uh, she talked to who was diagnosed with cancer and immediately that day underwent chemotherapy. And so uh-huh. you kind of, even though it's in an extreme shock, to you, to know that you had cancer, you wanted some time to kind of think about it and uh, look at some options that may be available to you. Have that correct? Absolutely. Yeah.
2: That's absolutely right. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So you weren't so rushing I, um, into anything
2: no and i'm aware because i've gone through the process with my mom and my dad you know i've been in and out of hospitals and cancer clinics um i've seen it it was way too real for me and and recent real so I sort of saw the process, and you know, when you're grieving, you could kind of point fingers and blame people. Well, that wasn't necessary. Or why did we have to drive all the way down here for a consult when she's in so much pain? Or you know, the radiation makes you throw up, and and what you know, why are there frigging cookies on the table when sugar feeds cap? You know, like mm-hmm. you can go through all those things and point fingers because there's anger in there from that grief. Um, and I just thought, no, you know what? Um, I don't know what's out there, but I'm certainly not willing to jump into that train wreck. That's what I saw was. This, these people are practicing medicine. <laughs> so, and 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 believe me, I believe there's a place for doctors. I believe there's a place for surgeons. I believe that you know these um, practices are probably necessary in certain times in, in certain people's lives. But I just didn't feel that that was me. Yeah, and that um, wasn't that I a fit. Go there. Mm. Yeah, and, and and for me, it didn't it didn't need to be because um, you know. Between my tears and my research i you know I started to look online and read and read and read and and what I found there's not a whole lot out there for thyroid cancer it was it, it's a very predominant cancer, and in fact, you know, most people die with thyroid nodules and never even know they have them. Now, keep in mind, nodules and cancer are separate, but typically you will have nodules first before you have cancers. So um, as, I, as I'm looking and I'm reading, um, I came across um, one particular study that stands out in my mind, although I had read it several times, um, and this study took place in Japan, and I don't remember the name of, you know, the scientists and the doctors or, or even how many participants there were but it was a long-term study over done over 20 years. And, um, you know, some of the uh, clients or or representatives had had stepped out for whatever reason, but the majority stayed in. And what they found was over 20 year long-term study, there was a 95% survival rate of people who chose to do nothing with their papillary, papillary carcinoma. So I thought, well, I've got time, (laughs) you know, so my anxiety slightly lessened and I may be that one 5% where things go really horribly wrong, but I just refused to buy into that mindset. Okay, I thought if I'm going to do this the other way that I need to shift my focus, I need to get out of anxiety, I need to get out of depression, I need to find those moments every day that bring me joy, I need to focus on, I need to retrain my body to heal the self and what can I, you know, what can I possibly do to do that? So everything from meditation and, you know, color therapy and sound therapy and the whole thing, right? Like adding all different kinds of things in to sort of get my mindset ready to take on this new adventure.
0: It's interesting to hear you talk about the stress you had prior to your diagnosis and uh, the issues that you faced with your mother and your father. And I can just visualize the stress within your body. And it reminded me of uh, an interview I did a couple of days ago with Dr. Mark Circus in Brazil, and he describes cannabis as nature's chemotherapy. And one of the issues that he raised was that stress is one of the major causes of illness within the human body. And what cannabis does, it alleviates that stress. And I thought that was very Absolutely. interesting I thought of uh, I was thinking of, of uh, that conversation I had when you were talking about all the stress you were under with uh, with yourself prior to your your mother's death and uh, your father gets prostate cancer and then you're diagnosed with uh, uh, cancer of the thyroid and you've got a young baby as well. Yeah, you must have been up. A-
2: and, and not only that, oh, there's more. My brother's house burned down, but it was in my father's name. And after my mom passed away, my dad was drunk for two years. And I don't not to be disrespectful, but he couldn't cope. They came from Europe together, so I was dealing with uh, you know not only a dad who had survived prostate cancer, but also a dad who had gone back to alcoholism, um, and he lost his house on Vancouver Island, which my brother was and Everybody survived and was good, but being power of attorney, I had to deal with all of the um, the fallout of that so the insurance and the rebuild which took over a year my dog was accidentally hit and killed at 11 months old while I was at work when she was being walked by the dog sitter there was all kinds of horrible traumas like there wasn't just those things there was a lot like it was overwhelmingly like am I even on this planet you know like it was so stress was intense like it was every time to turn around, I was being hit by a two by four or something extremely like a, it, it it was like a force of not even of this world. Right. Like I couldn't breathe. I just couldn't catch my breath. So when I was part of looking into my healing modalities, um, I did come across oil. Um, cannabis oil and I thought you know what I did all my homework on it and I read up about the um, endocannabinoid system and the cannabinoids and the oil and and realizing wow like there's this huge science but trying to wrap my head around you know the basic fundamentals of the cannabis oil doesn't actually heal your body but it does provide your body with the ability to heal itself just by the nature of the science Mm -hmm. so I thought well if all your receptors have these, um, you know, endocannabinoid receptors, then it makes sense that it can reach every cell in your body. So along with changing the focus of the mind and changing the diet and alkalizing water and, and doing sauna and the rebound or get lymphatic system going along with all of that, part of it was, okay, like I need to get on something that will actually take care of this disease, right? <clears throat> so I did. I, I found some oil and I was never able to round ram- up to a, gram a day. I was always a real lightweight, you know, you throw alcohol at me, not a problem. I have family's long line of European, you know, drinkers, but you know, cannabis oil was always, it was, it was, um, I'm sensitive to it. So, uh, but I did find, you know, what I was able to use over the course of like a year, I found that uh, I had better sleep which in turn um, reduced my panic and my stress and my reaction, which in turn made me calmer. I was able to focus more. Um, and then on a physical level, prior to um, cannabis oil, <clears throat> every time I swallowed, I, I felt pressure. Um, from these nodules inside. Now, keep in mind, again, nodules and cancer are separate. I have these nodules and the cancer is in in one of the nodules. But every time I would swallow, I could feel the pressure and a pang of of pain, like just like, you know, this little ping of pain. Every swallow of saliva, of a drink, of food, it didn't matter what. So it was a constant reminder that you know, this is here and this lives in me. Um, so once I started on the oil, um, noticing the sleep and the, the moods and all those things shifting and being able to focus more positively, what I did notice um, was that there was a mild reduction in the swelling itself and the pain aspect disappeared. So is it gone? I don't know that it's gone or it's still there. And that's because... While I was on this cannabis oil and on my new path of this is the direction I'm going to heal myself, my GP here in our community, um, I would see him from time to time, whether it was my own um, health stuff or my child's health stuff or bringing my father in, um, and he would pull me aside and say, you know, what are we doing about, about your thyroid? Are, have you thought about it? Are you, um, you know, wanting to look further? And um, he said, because this is going to kill you. You know, and he said that twice to me, and it kind of shocks you back into a different reality, and so then I would start to get a little bit anxious and a little bit paranoid. Oh my God, this is this is going to kill me, and it would shake the core beliefs that I had. Sort of turned around and said, No, I have faith in myself. I have faith in my body. I know myself can regenerate. I just have to show them the way. But to, to hear those phrases, you know, it shakes you up. So. I, I, explained that I understood his frustration that he only learned what he learned in school, that he was only taught what they want him to learn, and, and they don't have time for everything. And so, you know, I, I looked at him, and he was, you know, visibly upset, but it was my choice, and and I just said, you know, I continue to go on my way and do my own research. I, I did actually, um, one part that I forgot to mention was I did go see the oncologist, you know, whether it was to entertain him or you know, just more information, more facts. You can't make an informed decision unless you have, you know, all the information. So I thought, okay, why not? Let's carry on, see the oncologist. And um, I th- actually, I think I was on the oil when I went and saw him also. Basically, you know, he, he opened up his big blue binder. He had two on his desk, and they're huge, and they have every medical condition and the protocol. And he pulls out this big blue binder, opens it up on his desk, and he's flipping through, and he um, says, well, you know, this is what we do. We remove your thyroid. We've been through this before with my GP, but as an oncologist, he needs to let me know. In the, we remove the thyroid. It's a very quick procedure. You're in and you're out. And I looked at him and said, you know what, thank you very much. Um I came here to sort of, you know, have a chat with you about statistics and, you know, all kinds of things and like that, and I got a bit of information out of him. But he, in the end, basically said to me, and I don't remember his exact words because this is a few years ago now. But it was, um, if you're, if you're not going to, um, how did he put it? Um, oh, don't think you can use our equipment um, to monitor your progress. And
1: if you're not going to follow his protocol. All-
2: if I wasn't going to follow his protocol. And at that moment, he wasn't mad and he wasn't rude. He was just matter-of-factly, right? I could tell he was a bit miffed, (laughs) but he wasn't mad. And so I just went, wow. And it was that moment that I went, okay, fine. I hear you. Thank you. So then I really thought I am really on my own now. Like, I just... You know, this was loud and clear. He didn't come out and threaten or, you know, and I don't even know if legally he can do that. It didn't matter. He said it, right? He said something to that effect, very, very similar to that, if not verbatim. So on I go again <laughs> to carry on with my life. He did grant me one follow-up, and I think actually the timelines are a little bit foggy now because it's been a few years. So he did grant me one follow-up, but I'm not sure in what time frame that happened. This must have been the second time I saw him because I do remember having two sheets from the reports from the final aspiration and ultrasound. And in fact, and actually, Corey, this is something I even forgot to mention to you. It completely escaped my mind until right, right now. Um, these two sheets was the first sheet showed the size of the diagnosis of the nodules of the calcification, and the second sheet showed that there was no calcification. I can't even believe I forgot forgot ah, that's really interesting. And so yeah, yeah, it is, and so. When I, I see a homeopath too, and I showed him those two sheets, I said, look, like this first, am I reading this right? Like I'm in disbelief and I'm kind of, in, you know, like this calcification, they, they haven't got written on the second um, report that the calcification is there. They just, it just says the nodules and the size of the nodules. And, and he read it and he said, well, it doesn't indicate that it's gone, but it doesn't indicate that it's there either right? So when I pointed that out to the oncologist, he, he, you know how when you're sitting there and it seems like something's taking forever, like hours, but really it's only, you know, a yeah. minute. And that's what it felt like. He was flipping between his two sheets and he'd look at one and then he'd look at the other and then he'd look at one and then he'd look at the other. And he was reading the fine print and I pointed it out to him and he said, they just probably missed it. and uh. that, and, and And I said, well, wait, like, the first report, they knew I had papillary carcinoma. Wouldn't they be looking it in the second report? So how could they miss something that was already diagnosed? Now that's so kind of- is it me hopeful thinking or is that, you know, is that a sign? So that is actually the second time is actually when he said, don't think you can use our equipment to follow your progress. And that's when I went, okay, I won't. And I walked away from there. I carried on with my life. As it was after that, um, we came into some financial hardship, some jobs shifted around, um, money got tight, so I went off oil, actually went off everything, and um, I never did go back for another ultrasound, and my GP said uh, he caught up with me a year after that, so we're talking maybe even last year now, and um, he said, so... Did you want to do a follow up just to see where you're at? And he's almost hopeful now that I'm, you know, going to bite it all for anything he's offering. And I said, you know what? I'm going to tell you what happened. And I shared the story with what the oncologist told me. And my GP looked at me and he said, if you want that test, I will make sure it happens. So I truly know he wants the best for me. I I do know that because we have that relationship. We know each other well. Um, We live in the same small community. So I was touched that, you know, he was going to make it happen. And there would be no questions asked. But, you know, I still haven't done it. I said, well, maybe, you know, maybe in a year from now. But I just haven't followed up with it yet. And um, part of my status of my life is, you know, I have a child. I have a husband. I take care of my aging father. So I kind of put my own health on the back burner, especially when we didn't have the funds for the supplements and the and the cannabis oil and all this stuff. So I kinda of put my life on hold. And interestingly enough, Corey, is now we're kind of financially catching up again. So I was just contemplating okay, I need to get back into some research about who's selling what, where can I get it. But wanting to know more focused on If someone has successfully healed their thyroid cancer, papillary carcinoma, what protocol did they use in cannabis oil, like higher THC, higher CBD, because, you know, some are better for others, and I thought, instead of just flailing and kind of doing what I'm thinking is right, so it's interesting, because I was literally just this last few days before you called, going through that process, and then I got a call from you, and I'm thinking, you know what, to me, that's a sign. (laughs) (laughs) There you (laughs) go. I'm hopeful now. Yeah, I'm hopeful now, right?
0: Let me go back to when you were starting to take the cannabis oil and this pain in your throat from swallowing disappeared. Mm -hmm. How long uh, after you were taking the cannabis oil did it disappear?
2: Um, No, it actually wasn't that long before I noticed. It was only a few weeks before I really noticed, hey, the pain was gone. But then again, keep in mind, I was really low dose. I'm, you know, maybe, uh, maybe I ever got up to like a third of a, is it a milligram a day? A third of a gram a day. That was my max ever. So I was really low dose and, um, yeah, it was only a couple of weeks. And I thought, hey, the pain is gone. And it was a little bit longer to notice the swelling had lessened. Mm-hmm. Um, and also my homeopath, every time I see him once a month, And I always get him to check my thyroid, always, just so he can have a general feel of my um, lymph nodes and make sure that, you know, nothing's popping up anywhere and and to feel my thyroid. And and he seems to think that they've actually shrunk. So that would work in conjunction why the swelling feels less. But again, I haven't been for an ultrasound, so I I can't prove or disprove that either way.
0: Now, after you stopped taking the cannabis oil, did the pain in your throat come back?
2: A little bit, yeah. Not to the degree it was before, and it took some time to come back. But I do feel, and only when I'm turned certain ways. So if my neck is like crooked downwards, and I'm and I'm kind of looking down, and I swallow, and you know, so only in certain positions, to me, that indicates that there's still obviously you know pressure somewhere. Like you know, there's there's this nodule obviously still there, and in um, only in certain motions do I notice that. Whereas before I noticed it, it didn't matter if I was looking straight ahead with my throat completely relaxed. I noticed it always prior to.
1: So it was pretty much constant?
2: Yeah. Oh, every breath, every, sorry, every swallow. It it didn't matter. Saliva, coffee, food. If I was looking up, down, straight. With every single swallow, I had that pang of pain and swelling, that feeling of kind of bit of choking off. Yeah,
0: You know, one of the things that we've talked to a number of times with many people on this program is, and I was thinking of your situation, which you said that you started with a very small amount of cannabis oil. And, Corey, I think she may be wise to try uh, suppositories.
1: Yeah, yeah, that might be a good idea to avoid the high. Did you ever
2: do that? Mm Mm-hmm. I know I no never did try I was looking into it and I was thinking okay so do I mix it with coconut oil what's what's the recipe here you know what I mean like so um, do I buy the molds do i so I kind of went through the process and i you know I understand that it bypasses your liver and your kidneys and your stomach so you don't get that that high that comes with um, ingesting it so that would probably be a preferable method for me for sure I just haven't gone that route yet
0: yeah Sorry, Corey.
2: I was just going to say, the,
1: the good thing about that, or the neat thing about that, is it allows you to get that dose up a, a lot higher without dealing with the right. uh, psychotropic effects. Right.
2: Yeah.
0: You When you started taking the cannabis oil, you noticed the stress somewhat dissipating. And when you stopped taking the cannabis oil, did your stress level start to slowly increase again?
2: It started to come back, and it's, and it's, and it's interesting because... I do speak with a counselor regularly, again, because I've had a lot of traumas that have sort of, I've not been able to shake, so it does affect my life all around. But because I'm working towards really trying to create peace, even with life going off on around me, it, I call these things bombs, right? Like the house fire was a bomb, and my dog dying was a bomb, and my mom dying was a bomb, and, you know, all these things are bombs. And so um, I got to a point where I was constantly uh, flinching if the phone rang or, or if, you know, when's the next bomb going to go off? So while I was on cannabis oil, bombs didn't really, something didn't matter, but I wasn't looking for them. Right? So I was able to sort of settle a little bit in that time and not think about the bombs, but become more focused on, um, and because my doses were so so low, it just sort of brought me down to like an, an inner peace where I was able to just stop and take a look at, you know, the coniferous trees or the sun reflecting off the water. And, and, you know, and I guess that's what you do when you're high. You kind of just get into the moment. So I, but again, I couldn't stay in that, in that space because I had a child and a dad and, you know, a husband and all these responsibilities. And so I couldn't be like that all day and all night. So, but the moments where I was able to do that was very calming. And um, I think that was really, really helpful. When I stopped the cannabis oil, um, the stress started to sort of ramp up again. As far as what my mind was, But when mine was turning um, reality into, like, it was creating these mini bombs, right? Like, everything kind of was an issue um, when really, say, a person who hadn't had all these traumas would say, you know what, that's water off a duck's back. It's not a big deal. We'll just deal with it. To me, it was like, oh, my God, that's a bomb. (laughs) You know, so that started coming back, that reaction, right? The reactionary responses were coming back to, you know, things in life. So that's the one thing I did notice coming off cannabis oil.
0: You know, listening to you talk about some of the stress that was in your life, and uh, believe me, uh, you have had a lot of stress. But just listening to you talk about it, I can feel the stress.
1: <laughs> yeah, I'm thinking to myself, yeah. it, it's so aptly, I think you've really aptly uh, named it when you call, call these incidents bombs. It's like, holy cow, yeah. that's a lot to go through.
2: And you know, and you just sort of lose faith that shitty things aren't going to happen forever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's pretty hard to get focused and stay focused when life's proven you wrong so many times, right? So being optimistic, I think, is key. It's key for every anything and everything. And saying, you know what, um, I do matter, and I always believe that. But because I was trying to placate my dad from losing his wife, and you know, m- my husband in a sense lost me because I became, you know, depressed and wasn't the person that he fell in love with. And you know, I had this child who depended on me. So I think now some time has gone by, and I've kind of passed that. That really ugly ball of stress and, and and drama and and pain and so I'm thinking okay now I really need to just put the bow on that package and wrap it up not forget it and maybe I need to open it up and revisit it from time to time but I really need to get back on board and get this dealt with it's time right it's time
0: yeah I think uh, psychologically you have to uh, change your mindset to realize that all troublesome issues that come into uh your life and everyone has troublesome issues in their life is not necessarily a bomb i think you have to rename it and maybe yeah yeah rename it reclassify it not as a bomb don't characterize it as something that's going to explode and destroy something (laughs) Just, just say this is an issue this is an issue i've got to deal with do you agree yeah yeah
2: yeah i do i do i do now But in the time where all these things were unfolding, and I'm talking like there were like a month between and then three months and then, you know, two months after that, like these were just bang, bang, bang. So at the time, that's what I felt like. I thought that there was another bomb going off over my shoulder or in front of me or behind me or underneath me. But now that I'm kind of, okay, I have learned and I have grown and I have been tested to the darkest recesses of humankind. And I'm climbing back out of that and I'm thinking, okay, exactly that. Now it's like, you know what, this is life. And some people don't have these experiences um, all simultaneously and some people have them spread out over a lifetime. Mine has all happened to be very compact and I just need to kind of move forward and, and exactly do that. Just say, you know what, like, this is life and what's the next adventure opposed to... Because what I have found Cancer's an interesting thing you know I, I would trade my mom back for anything she was an amazing an amazing human being um We baked and we cooked and we fished and we gardened and we we did it all. She made my clothes my ribbons like, you know she was that mom, and I miss her very much um but I, I'm not sure why, you know, life dealt that card, but for whatever reason, it's it's shifted me as a person. Um, I didn't like the experience to get where I am, but I am where I am because that experience happened. Um, and the same thing for cancer, you know, I was always relatively optimistic beforehand, but there's... Other things now that I'm way more appreciative of, um, like every single living soul, and, you know, we kind of as humans, unless we've been threatened, I I feel, and this is not the rule, but I find it is the norm. Humans take things for granted, whether they realize or not, whether it's, you know, their color TV or their clothes or their paycheck or their car. Um, We don't take care as good as we can because we're not threatened. But when you've been threatened and you said, this will kill you, it's like all of a sudden... Everything has a magnifying glass on it.
0: Yeah, you get a different perspective of life.
2: Yeah. It changes everything. And so, yeah, it changes absolutely everything about everything. And so where a lot of people see it, you know, is it's this, this horrible monster. So part of changing the wording, like the bomb, is in a way, weirdly enough, I've embraced it as kind of a blessing because it forced me to look at healthier lifestyles, not just for myself, but for my child, right? What do I want to expose her to? Um, You know, things like that. Like I had a lot of amalgam teeth, had a lot of x-rays. I remember them putting the collar down uh, and not, you know, the collar's supposed to come right up, the lead collar for the your x-rays on your teeth. I remember them tucking it under because if they were doing x-rays on the bottom teeth, the lead that close to the bottom of the jaw made the x-rays blurry, Right. So thinking, and I had horrible teeth growing up. I always was at the dentist. I think how many X-rays did I have on my thyroid? How many root canals did I have that you know it it impairs that energy line? So I'm thinking in my mind when I go to the dentist with my child, the collar comes up. I don't, I don't effing care Mm if the X-ray is blurry, right? So it's made me so much more aware. I don't bubble wrap her. I don't helicopter. I'm very, very aware of, you know what, I can't control um, the radio lines, the power lines, and the jet fuel raining down. I can't control that. I can control whether I have a microwave in my house or whether my kid sits in a dentist chair with a collar up to her job. So it's, it's those kinds of things. I can control what I can for her health and her safety. Um, the rest of it, be a kid, go play, get dirty, eat dirt, <laughs> you know, so yeah. um, and maybe even that too, enjoy life. Enjoy life. Be that kid.
0: Enjoy life. I I think I
2: probably would have been a bit more, yeah, enjoy life. So things change. And, um, you know, I would rather, of course, not ever had to deal with it. But here I am. So I am.
0: Yeah. It was great of you to do this. We really appreciate you telling your story. Uh, We both suggest you get back on cannabis oil. Relax. Enjoy life. Look at the sunset and appreciate it.
2: Okay. Absolutely wonderful. And if you hear of any success stories, uh, protocols, please let me know. Valerie, are you familiar with uh,
1: Lindsay Boone Rogers? Lindsay Ben Rogers? No. If you go on our uh, podcast, we did an interview with her, and uh, I believe she had what you have.
2: Okay, Lindsay Boone Rogers?
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah, I'm I'm looking at you quizzically, because uh, did we interview someone named... Lindsay. Oh, we did, yes. We did. It's all
1: right. Um, Ian's got a bit of dementia,
0: but... (laughs) (laughs) Thanks. Thanks I'm sure you do enough
2: enough interviews, and they kind of probably all start melt together. (laughs) Yeah,
1: they do. They do. But um, she would be a good one to check into. So she has a video on YouTube.
0: Yeah, she does. And I can yeah.
1: certainly I can certainly hook the two of you up. I'm sure she'd be more than willing um, to speak with you.
0: Okay. Yeah, we can do that. Valerie, That'd be great. Thanks very much for your time. Greatly appreciate it.
2: You guys have a fantastic day. Blessings for a great life.
1: Thank you.
0: Thanks. And that's it. Another edition of Cannabis Health Radio. Thanks very much for listening.
2: You've been listening to the Cannabis Health Radio podcast.
0: Visit our website, CannabisHealthRadio.com, and follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to PodConnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows.
2: I'm Josh Kincaid, Capital Markets Analyst and host of your cannabis business podcast, The Talking Hedge. And newest member on PodConX. So come on over and check out The Talking Hedge. We talk about business news, interviews, investments, events, all that stuff. So come nerd out with me over at The Talking Hedge You can find me at thetalkinghedgepodcast.com or on all your favorite
0: podcast platforms. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe, or don't, and I'm out.